Thank you for choosing our podcast. This is truly an exciting time for City Lights Church, and we are seeing God move in extraordinary ways. For more information on how you can get plugged into what God is doing at City Lights or to financially partner with us, just visit us on the web at citylightsac.org. Stay connected with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us by searching at City Lights AC. Tune in every Sunday as we stream live through Facebook live stream. Today's message is from our series, Elemental. In this series, we're discovering what true faith is and what that looks like in our daily lives. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. We hope you enjoy the message. Church, you sound good this morning. I want to ask you to remain standing as we go into the proclamation of God's word. How many of you are grateful to hear the old rugged cross? Yeah. I heard some of you singing, and I could tell you're a little bit nervous because we're a little bit more modern here, and I could tell you didn't know if we were going to spin it or if we were going to keep it the same. But once you realized what it was, you started singing. This morning, we're in part two of a series called Elemental. This series is all about faith. What does it practically look like? What does it mean? How do I get it? How do I use it? How do I keep it? And, and, and I want to just challenge you this morning. I know that we are all going through many different things here. Many of us have different church backgrounds. Many of us, you may be here this morning, and you're skeptical. You're seeking. You don't even know what all this means for you. And I just wanted to let you know that you're in a safe place and that we'll meet you right there where you are, wherever there is or are, whatever your circumstances, wherever you've been, wherever you're going, more importantly, wherever you're at. You're in a place where no condemnation will be cast upon you. And so I wanted to just bring some unity to this room. doesn't matter how much you know or how far you have yet to go. We believe that the ground is level at the cross here. And so this morning, this word is for all. Anybody ready to hear a word from God this morning? This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, please. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Anybody ever felt like God just makes you do something, you got to do it right away? Like, if I don't do it now, I'm going to die. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Don't miss where he's at there. It says, and when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already over a mile from land. Listen, battered by the waves. Leave me here. Battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And as I study this, there's a couple things I, I see going on here. One, it says that Jesus, Jesus made them get in the boat. So it was a command for them to get in it and to go. And how many of you believe that God is, he knows all things? How many believe God knows all things? How many believe that Jesus knew there would be a storm coming? I hear my mic cutting out. I'm not sure why, so you just roll with me. Jesus knew a storm was coming that day. He's made his disciples get in the boat, and they would be going through that storm. And I think just a good practical word for everyone in here is this, is not every storm comes from the devil. You need to stop giving the enemy so much credit. We believe that God knows all things, and he can be all where, uh, anywhere at all times. So that means he's here with us. He's here at the next church down the road. He's with the house church in China. He's with the persecuted believers in Syria. Which, by the way, how many of you have ever heard being in the, the will of God is the safest place to be? It's a lie. I'm serious. Ask, ask the believers in Iraq this morning and in, in Iran and Syria 
and in Afghanistan and all around the world where sharing their faith gets their head severed from their neck. And here we've got an opportunity this morning to safely gather, to safely worship. We see in this story that Jesus intentionally sent his disciples to the storm. Being in the will of God is not the safest place to be. You need to look at your neighbor and say, it's a lie. But the boat was already a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And around three in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea. Verse 26 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. For the next few minutes, the remainder of our time, I want to talk with you about this idea there's more to the story. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, I know you've got a story, but there's more to it. Now, I need you to look to the other person beside you who really needs Jesus and say, hey, I know you've got a story. (laughs) Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Sounds so good this morning. You may be seated. Thank you. Amen. More to the story. Y'all had some fun with that. You didn't know I was going to make you pick favorites, did you? Well, what I love about the Word of God is I believe that it's real, it's relevant, it's practical, it's the inspired Word of God, and I believe it can penetrate every heart in here. And so I'm really excited to share this with you this morning. I think there's a lot of things going on to this. And how many of you know that really, if you don't understand the full story, when you only get a snippet of it, you don't understand the true meaning of everything that's going on. And I wanted, to just, uh, I wanted to just help this morning. I think that this is going to be very relevant for you. I hope that it's inspiring. And I'm going to teach some this morning as well. So the Bible says that if I'm going to be a pastor, I've got to be able to preach and I've got to be able to teach. So I need you to hang with me this morning. But I want to just kind of just continue diving into this as well. We just read from Matthew's version. Matthew is a, um, a disciple of Jesus. You've got the four Gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And basically, it's the same story, just from a different angle. The easiest illustration I know how to give is it's like being at Neyland Stadium, watching UT Vols game. Depending upon where you're sitting, that's the angle of the game you see. It's all the same game, but just from a different angle. I want to jump over to Mark's really quickly um, and and listen to his account of this story. There's a few similarities and a few differences there um, that I want to see as well. It says, when evening came, this is Mark, it says, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he... Jesus was alone on the land. Verse 48 says, he saw them. Man, when I, when I read this, when I study this, this gets me so fired up because how many times do you ever feel like you're, you're in the wind and the waves and you're battered in the storm and you're wondering, God, where are you? Anybody ever thought that? No, so you guys are really close to Jesus this morning. Good. Well, hey, can I just be honest with you? I wanna just go ahead and get this out of the air really quickly. This message is for people that have been stricken by uh, something devastating. This, is for, this message is for someone who needs to increase their faith. So I just want to get this out in the air. If your faith is perfect today and you can walk on water like Jesus, then you can just check out because this message is not for you. But if you're not perfect and you're in need of the resurrected king, then this message is for you. Does anybody in here need the resurrected king? Now that we got that out of the way, let's try this again. Hi, my name's Peyton, I'm your pastor, and you're all jacked up, and you need me to preach to you this morning. 
It says he saw them. Now, let me, let's, I need you to interact with me. This is not the church where you come and it's all about me. This is the church where you come and it's all about we worshiping him. Amen? Amen. Now, listen, I'll give permission to talk, okay? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But seriously. How many of you ever felt like you've been in a situation and you just didn't feel like God was there? It doesn't mean you don't believe, okay? I've been there. Like, where are you, God? Where are you? I need you now. And what I love about this is that the, the story depicts this image of Christ is in one place on the mountain. The disciples are in the ocean being battered by the wind and waves, and there's this chasm that separates them, and it says this. It says that he saw them. And I just wanted to tell you this morning that you may feel like you're far from him, but he's never far from you. A couple weeks ago, I went to the daddy-daughter dance here in Clinton with my daughter, and man, there was hundreds of people there. I'm talking honestly. It was crazy. I loved it. I'll go back. If you have a little girl, you should take her yours next, uh, next year. It's really awesome. I'm just packed out at Clinton Middle School, and we were over by the, the, um, the snack tables getting some juice and cookies, and, and uh, Harper, my daughter, she's five, she was walking in front of me, and she got separated, just like a couple people in front of me, just a couple but it's kind of dark in there, like our worship. You know, it's hard to see. You come in and you, you know, don't look at the light. You'll get blinded and you'll fall. It was like that. She, you know, it's just really dark in there. And I, and I saw her. She was, I mean, I was just kind of really pressed like this. She was walking really slowly and wobbling, had her cooking her juice. And she looked up and she saw a different man. And then she turned around and she had that panic on her face. But see, what she didn't know is her father, I saw her the whole time. My eyes were on her. I never took them off of her. And I said, Harper. And she looked up with real big eyes, and I said, Daddy sees you. She said, okay. <laughs> and I just wanted to tell you this morning, you may feel caught up in the storm or in the traffic of life, and your father sees you. His eyes are always on you. He never takes them off. He saw them being battered as they rode, listen, because the wind was against them. Around 3 in the morning, he came toward them. Man, this is really big here. Don't, don't miss this. It says that he came toward them and wanted to pass by. Now listen, theologically, there's so much going on here. Practically, there's so much going on here. Here it is, the Savior of the world, Jesus Messiah, Son of God, the one who sent them in this storm, now wants to pass them by. That does not make sense to me. It almost seems like it contradicts everything that I know about Jesus. But how many of you know there is no contradiction? There is tension. If there's contradiction, then we lack an understanding and a comprehension. I'm just rhyming. I'm beatboxing. I'm getting it. I'm feeling it this morning, okay? I'm earning my paycheck this morning. It says that he wanted to pass them by. Now, let's just think about this for a moment, Angie. It was Jesus that sent him into the storm, so it seems honestly a little selfish. Excuse me, take me back, please. He, he saw them in the storm. He saw them there. It says that he wanted to pass them by. Why? Is God insensitive? Does Jesus deliberately throw us into a storm to leave us there by ourselves? When the Scripture just said he was on the mountain and saw them? So how many of you have someone in here, maybe not in here, maybe you do, that you just love with everything you have? You love them. And how many of you know love is a choice? I choose to love. Anybody that's ever been married more than two weeks past the honeymoon phase, you know love is a choice, right? Amen. I choose. Dear Jesus, help me. I'm speaking on behalf of my wife, by the way. Not me. Love is a choice, and love is not based off what the other person does for me. 
right? Because sometimes what the other person does for me does not make me want to love them. But I choose them instead. I choose to love instead. And so here we see Jesus. We think of, we think of God. We know that he loved the world so much that he sent his only son. If you want to know what God is, if you want to know the, the absolute character qualities and attributes of God, just read John three sixteen. You don't have to get all crazy into Leviticus and Deuteronomy and have those words you can't pronounce and you don't know geographically where those places are. God, he loved the world so much he gave his only son for you. That's God. That's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. So God is love, and he loves us unconditionally. He loves us so much that in the midst of our sins, he died for us. That is the foundation. That is the elemental foundation of our faith, that he died for us, and he rose victoriously. And because of that, we are more than conquerors in his name. But how many of those of you, those same people who raised your hand and said that you love someone, I want you to raise it again if this is true, you want to be loved back by that person? It's not selfish. You want to be loved back. We need love. We need affection. We need that intimacy. We need that connection. I mean, if, if my wife, and she does this, if every day she intentionally and willfully did things to love me, to show her love for me, to tell her love for me, and I never gave it back, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, and I'm not trying to knock anybody, but anybody that's ever had a divorce knows that love can fade away. It is a choice. It is a commitment. If I did not give that love back, and all I did was take and never give, give or gave to her, it would subside. And so the same is true with Jesus. It says that he was walking on the sea that day, and he wanted to pass them by. It does not say he wanted them to, to get killed in the storm. But listen, true love also wants reciprocation. It goes both ways. The Father wants you to love him the same way that he loves you. So don't read this and say that Jesus just wanted to leave them out there so they could get jacked up and get killed. But you should know this. The Father in heaven wants you to love him. It says he's jealous of you. He's jealous for you. He wants you to worship him. He wants you to praise him. He saw them being battered as they rode because the wind was against them. And three in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea. And basically, he wanted to be loved back. Let me tell you what, what often burdens my heart as a pastor for this church, for our community, more than just a pastor, but because of the position, it allows me to minister to a lot of people. I can't help but wonder, and like, honestly, even this morning, I got up and I prayed, and I just knew that something would be happening today, because anytime you gather in Jesus' name, he moves I can't help but wonder, and I can't help but wonder in your life, and I don't want to just break it down to Sunday because, honestly, the church needs to decentralize. It needs to be happening Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at work when you're taking your kids to school and you want to strangle them, and when you're at work and you want to clock out and, like, go secretly smoke a cigarette in your car and you don't even smoke cigarettes. It's just when you're stressed out to the max. I can't help but wonder how many times Jesus wants to pass you buy and you let him because you're too prideful to cry out to him. How many times in your life has Christ came walking by and you just let him go because you got too much going on? How many of you sitting here this morning are not the person that God wants you to be? You're not experiencing the fullness of who God wants you to be because you let him walk by because of some selfish, stupid reason. Can I show you what happens even when you cry out and it's not in love? How many of you know this? Listen, 
that Christ is among, he's amongst us. If you're a believer in here, you brought, you brought him to church with you, okay? You are the church. And so he is here today. Not because we welcome him, but because he is here. Don't let him pass you by. Look what happens. This is Matthew, going back to Matthew. And listen, I'm gonna tell you something too. My ADD is kicking in. I'm using a lot more scripture than I normally do. So for those of you who sit under my teaching every week, it's a lot more, but so I wanna make sure that you just pay attention to the story, okay? Pay attention to the story. Look what happens as we go back to Matthew. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Now listen, it said, they said, it's a ghost, it does not say they cried out in love. It does not say they cried out in joy. It does not say they cried out in peace. They cried out in fear. And I love this next verse. It says, immediately. Do you see there's this theme, immediately? Immediately. God moves. You may not see it. You may not feel it, but God's always moving at them. It says, immediately, I love this. Jesus, say this with me, spoke to them. Aren't you glad that God speaks to his children? I mean, he speaks it says he spoke to them, and when I see this, there's just been this resounding theme in my life of what God is teaching me, and it says that Jesus spoke to them. He did not hug them, though he would have given them affection because he's a good father. It says he spoke to them. You know why? Because there's power of death and life in your tongue. We are made in the image of God, and that means that we have power in our words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but the word you say never hurt me is full of crap. Whoever came up with that, you know it's true. Genesis 1 says that God created the universe. He spoke it into existence. You have a lot of power with your words. So Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, says he spoke to them, even though they cried out in fear. It wasn't, oh God, you're going to save us. Maybe you're here this morning. You don't feel like Jesus saved me. Maybe you're here this morning. You're just like, God, are you real? Are you real? Jesus spoke to them. He said, have courage. It is I. Don't be Afraid, have courage. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, here, here we see Peter. Do you understand what's happening here? They don't even know if it's him. They're so terrified. You ever been in a situation where you desperately need God to move and you pray and you cry out and you don't even know if, like, if it's him or if you're doing this on your own? Anybody ever been there and you're just like, God, if you hear me, please help me make a better decision. Help me, help me get through this. And Lord, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, I don't even know. Command me. Command me to come to you on the water. Anybody ever been like this? God, if you're real, you'll paint this picture in the sky that says, hello, dummy. <laughs> it's me. That's what Peter's doing. Lord, if it's you, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, I'll be your huckleberry. <laughs> right, Tammy? Look at verse 29. I said, come on, bad boy. Come on, you better be careful. Hey, how many of you know you better be careful what you ask for because if God answers it, you better be ready to follow through with what you ask for. Amen. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water. And he came toward Jesus, verse 30. But 
when he saw the strength of the wind, listen, already, listen, pay attention to the story. There's some disobedience happening. What did Jesus say? Have courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Now we see Peter, he sees the strength of the wind and he becomes mm, Okay. And listen, I love this. If you're taking notes on version, if you're writing on the back of your connection card, and beginning to sink, he cried out, hang me here, Lord save me. Now listen, I've studied this and I've seen it and I've just been thinking like, ask our volunteers this way, how many of you know no human can transcend the law of buoyancy? Right? For those of you who are like, what? I'm going to say it this way. How many of you have ever jumped off a diving board, out of a boat, out of a tree? You're not from the south, and you're definitely not from East Tennessee if you've not done any of that. But how many of you have ever done something like that? You've jumped into water. Let me just ask you a question very politely. It has nothing to do with your age, your height, your weight, or anything. Do you begin to sink, or do you immediately go under? Because I don't know about you, but I immediately go under. So then, why does it say he began to sink? How is that so? How is it so that he began to sink? Lord, save me. We're going to come back to it. He began to sink, verse 30. 31 says, immediately, here we get it, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, you of little faith, I'm getting into teacher mode here. He said, little, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? So I got to thinking about this. As as Peter is, he's in the boat, and we believe there's potentially 11 other disciples, right, because there's 12 of them. And of all the people, they think it's a ghost, they're terrified. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Peter gets out of the boat, and this leaves 11 other people in the boat. And you know what the boat represents? Complacency, comfort, safety. Do you know the greatest kill to your calling is your complacency? Some of you love paddling the boat. You love to paddle the boat to church. You love to stay in the boat during church. You love to stay in the boat during the proclamation of God's word over your life so you can get right back, turn right, and row back home all in the confines of your safety boat. And you know what people in the boat love to do, right? When people get out of the boat, they love to judge them. They love to say, he's crazy. Or they critique him for getting out of the boat. Surely, surely, this was like an inside joke for the rest of their lives. For Peter, That day Peter got out of the boat, but he thought he was going to walk on the water. <laughs> they complain, they, they critique, and this is what I've learned about. They judge, right? This, and listen, this is their modern day some of you, you're sitting in the boat right now. And what you love to do is say, man, they're crazy for doing that. I'd never do that. Well, you won't even get out of the boat. So don't judge what other people are doing. Don't judge what other people are doing when you're sitting on the confines and the safety of the boat. This is what I've learned about people who don't get out of the boat and who complain and critique and judge. They typically, they complain about why are they doing it that way or why are they doing this? And I've, what I've learned, Caitlin, is that those who complain the most contribute the least. They contribute least to their family. Those who complain about the church the most, good Lord, don't get me started. <laughs> they definitely contribute the least. And I mean in every way, shape, form, or fashion. 
So listen, don't come in here rowing your boat this morning. You better bring a dang life jacket next week because we're getting you out of the boat at this church. So this is what's happening then. Peter, he sees Jesus walking by. He calls out to him, hey, if it's you, command me to come to you. He begins to walk on the water. He starts to walk on the water. But how many of you know that day, really, there was something more going on than that? Peter was walking on the word of God. Faith prompts me to walk on his word. Do you believe it? He said, command me and I'll come to you. And Jesus said, come on. And so that day, Peter did not step out onto the water. He stepped out onto the word of God. When I felt like God gave me the desire to plant this church, I felt like he said, come. Come on. Do you remember what he said to his first disciples? He said, come, follow me. Right? He didn't say, come, get baptized. Come, quote all these scriptures. Come, be religious. He said, no, come, follow me. And they stepped out on the word of God. When I'm living by true, authentic, biblical faith, it prompts me to walk on the promises of God. So when, I, when I'm walking by faith, I walk on the word. When I walk by sight, I'm walking on my own because sometimes the way that I see things don't line up with what I'm, I remember reading. So then when I, what I recall doesn't remind me of what I've read, then I walk on the word and I just stick to the promises and claim those over me. Faith prompts me to walk on the word of God. That day Peter was walking on the word of God. He wasn't just walking on the water, which reminds me of this. Peter steps out. He takes his eyes off of him. And this is where preachers, religious people say things like this. And I know your heart is good when you say this, but you say things like, Peter was doing good until he took his eyes off the Lord. Peter was doing good until he got distracted by the way. Well, and then we were talking about this earlier, too. You ever heard people say, like, if, man, if God would just be with me, I could, I could do anything. Hey, not true. Peter was standing right in front of the resurrected king. He hadn't even been resurrected yet, but he was the one who was going to come to redeem the world, and he still began to sink. So don't think that just because Jesus is right in front of you that you can do all things, because he's here today. He's here today. Peter stood right in front of him, Dylan, and he still began to sink. He began to sink. It was faith that prompted Peter to get out of the boat. We're going to talk about why he sank, but I want to explain something to you about what Jesus did with this as he began to sink. How could someone begin to sink if we cannot transcend the law of buoyancy? This is what I believe. I believe that this story, though it appears like it's a failure from Peter, there's more to the story. There's more to your story, and this is your story, that when we step out in faith, we are sure to be recipients of grace. That day, he stepped out, and it says he began to sink. Why? Because grace was catching him. And how many of you have ever felt like you've stepped out and the water is up to your mouth, and you can barely take another breath, and you don't know how that bill's going to get paid, and you don't know how you're going to make it through the day, and you can't even explain it, but a hand comes reaching down from heaven, and somehow that bill gets paid, and somehow you wake up the next day with a little bit more joy, and the water begins to subside. Amen? It was grace that allowed him to begin to sink. 
It was God's favor and love that kept him from drowning. Today, you may feel like you're sinking, but it is grace that will keep you afloat even when you walk on God's word, even when you walk on it. There will be times that you begin to sink and you can trust grace to meet you there. So I think the next logical, practical question would be then, how do I know if it's God's word? How do I know if it's God or if it's just like the back of my mind talking to me? I think you have to step out to find out. Sometimes you just got to step out of the boat, Brittany. Sometimes you just got to take a chance and believe that in my faith, as I step out, that I will receive grace. Remember, all this happened because Peter, he cried out in fear, not love, Allison, not courage. He took a chance and said, God, if it's you, command me. So God said, hey, come on. Jesus said, come on. Sometimes he does not always speak that clearly to us. So how do we know? We've got to get out of our comfort zones, make some moves in our life, physically, spiritually, mentally, to find out. And here's what, here's what happens. Some of us, we're so afraid of walking out in faith that if we mess up, that our lives are going to be ruined. I hate to tell you this. If you, actually, I love to tell you this. But if you don't know, you've probably already made a ton of mistakes and you're still here today by the grace of God. He's got you this far. You know what's crazy to me? Is we believe in the resurrection. We believe that Jesus came. We believe that he went to the cross. We believe, Robert, that, gets us, that allows us to spend eternity with him if we believe and confess our sins. But for some reason, we don't trust him with our day-to-day life, but yet you trust him with your soul to get to heaven? That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. We're, we're talking about the same man who rose from the grave on the third day. That power... It's equivalent to the grace you need to get you through the day. You're going to be okay. You've just got to step out to find out. Sometimes you've got to take some chances. I want to continue and show you something here. Jesus says to him, I want to get to this. Jesus said, you have little faith. He said, why do you doubt? I want to talk about this faith aspect for a moment. And I'm going to read just a couple of scriptures to you really quickly. But I just want you to catch the idea of it, okay? Jesus speaking on faith. This is Matthew 8, 26. He's speaking to a bunch of people. He said, but he said to them, why are you fearful? This is a completely different story. I'm just using faith as a reference, okay? He said, why are you fearful? You of, say it with me, little faith. In Matthew 8, 10, Jesus is speaking to a woman. He says, hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, I assure you have not found anyone in Israel with so great. Oh, so he says great now. So we've got great, we've got little I'm not really good at this board. Great faith. Matthew uh, 15, 28. Jesus speaking to uh, another woman. He says, woman, your faith is great. So we're still, we're seeing little, we're seeing great. This is going to make sense, hopefully. Matthew 13, 58 says this. And he did not, this is when he was in his hometown. He said, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack. Okay, so here's what's going on then. Pay attention to all this. Jesus has mentioned lack. He's mentioned little. He's mentioned great. He's mentioned doubt. So what did Jesus really mean when he said, you of little faith, why do you doubt? I want to ask you a couple questions. And don't be like, I don't know the answer. Just be honest with what you think. How many of you believe that it took some kind of faith to get out of the boat that day? Peter, you believe some kind of faith. Raise your hand. Participate with me. How many of you believe that 
Well, let me say this. I think that when Jesus, he's, he's referencing little, he's referencing great, doubt. These are different types of faith in the Bible. What I, hold on. Quality. Let me ask you something. Would you believe, do you believe, quality is relevant to how much you're comparing it to, but it took some quality of faith. I mean, it was genuine faith to get out of the boat that day. Do you agree? Me too. So I don't think Jesus is talking about the quality of his faith. How many of you would agree that it took quite a bit of faith for Peter to step out of that boat and believe he could walk on the water? Does anybody believe that? So I don't even think that Jesus is talking about the quantity of his faith. It's not the quality. It's not the quantity. Because, listen, if it was either one of these, Jesus would have used the word lack. Lack means, hey, you don't have it. So what does he mean when he says little and great and doubt? If he's not talking about the quality, if he's not talking about the quantity, then I believe he must be talking about. What if that day he was talking about the duration of Peter's faith? What I'm trying to say is this. A faith that stops is worse than a faith that fails Peter's faith that day, it stopped. It stopped. It, you, you agreed. You said it took a lot of faith to get out of the boat. You said that, now it really wasn't the quality because it took, it took some faith to get out. And it really wasn't even the quantity. It was the duration. A faith that stops, listen to me, it's worse than a faith that fails some of you this morning, listen, and listen, honestly, failure is relative to what you're comparing it to. Some of you this morning, your faith hasn't failed. You're not seeing God move because it's failed, because it's because you've stopped. You've stopped. And listen, that is worth, that is worse than going out and seeking Him with all you have and falling short and beginning to sink. Listen. That day, Peter did not just get distracted by the wind and the waves. His faith stopped in that moment. There are many of you this morning, you're not experiencing all that God wants you to. You're not developing into the person God wants you to. Your marriage is not going where it needs to be. Your professional career is not going where it needs to be because you have stopped. Matthew 14, 31 says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand. Here, do you see this is about grace? He reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you stop? Why did you stop? Verse 14, excuse me, verse 32 says, When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. This is amazing to me. So Jesus reaches out his hand to save Peter. He pulls him up. You would think that the water and the wind and the waves, everything would become calm right then. But it didn't, Cody. Why? Why? Why did the wind stop when they got back to the boat? Why didn't it stop immediately when Jesus was there beside Peter 
and he pulled him out of the water. It's because he wanted to give him another opportunity to walk on the Word of God. He wanted him to get back up, walk with him through the storm, back to the boat. Verse 33 says, Then those in the boat worshipped him, and they said, Truly, you are the Son of God. How many of you know when you experience that true biblical faith that you're going to encounter grace, and it is then that you begin to worship? It's then you begin to worship. Here's what I want to do. I want you to hang with me. I want to go back to, leave me here just for a second. I want to go back to Mark's gospel. I want to read just a couple of scripture of this exact same story because there's something very interesting and I want, you need to know this. Peter the disciple. Mark's gospel is written about 30 years after Jesus' death. And it's based off the eyewitness account of Peter. So what I'm saying is it's Peter who's talking to Mark who's writing the letter. Does that make sense? And it's amazing what's said in this because there's some things that are left out that Matthew's book records. This is Mark 6, 45. It's 30 years later. It's based, this is Mark's, Mark's gospel, but Peter's account. It says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. To the other side. He dismissed the crowd, verse 46. It says, After he said goodbye to them, He went away to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. It says, He saw them being battered as they rode because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. Verse 49. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. In verse 51. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were completely astounded. Now listen, what did Mark's gospel not mention? Peter getting out of the boat. Don't you believe this was Peter's chance 30 years later to be like, Hey man, this is what we're going to ride. You're going to tell them there was this really bad storm and all 12 of us were in the boat and it was only me that had the guts to get out of it. And I got out and I even walked on the water for a little bit. I messed up, but Jesus came by. But can't you believe out of all these people, it was me that got out of the water? I was the one that got out of the boat. It was me. Tell them that. Tell them, Mark. Tell them it was me. This was Peter's moment to shine. This was his moment to say, hey, look at me. Look what I've done. But he doesn't. And this is where I really want to tell you that there's more to this story than what you think. See, now 30 years has gone by. How many of you know with age often comes wisdom? Anybody smarter now than they were 10, 20 years ago? So Peter's at this spot in his life and he realizes, hey, there's actually more to the story, Mark. See, it really had nothing to do with me that day. This is what you need to tell them. Write this down. Say, there was a really bad storm. And Jesus sent us out. And we were being battered. And the waves were against us. And he was on the mountaintop when he saw us. 
How many of you know today that Jesus is still on that mountain? Only not it's a mountain, it's a throne to the right hand of God, and he still sees his children. Peter said, tell him, listen, that he was up there praying, and we were by ourselves, and the next thing we know that we thought we were going to die. The waves were crashing over the boat, and we saw somebody come walking by, and honestly, we didn't even know it was Jesus. We thought it was a ghost, but we cried out, and he answered us because he cannot deny the voice of his children. And he told us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Have courage. It's me. I'm with you. The father's here now. That day, the, daughter, the, the daddy-daughter dance, I looked at my daughter and said, hey, daddy sees you. And she immediately, a calm became over her face because when the father is near, the presence of him is with us. Jesus. And Peter said, tell him, listen. Tell him that he told us, don't be afraid. And he came towards us and he got in the boat and it was amazing because the wind ceased. Tell him that, reason he does not mention it in this gospel is because that day he understood that it was about the grace of God that kept him safe. Your life, you feel like it's so many things, there's so many things going on, you feel like it's about your lack of faith, you feel like it's about the quality, you feel like it's about the quantity, and it's little and it's doubt, but really what it's always, what it's always been about is the grace of God. So this morning, if you're here and you feel like, man, this is me, pastor, my faith is stopped. I've still got it. I don't have a lot. But I've got it. I've just stopped. And I wanted to tell you this morning that that day Jesus came walking by on the boat, he made a way for them to experience his grace and to be reconciled with him. And he wants to do the exact same thing for you. Father, we thank you, God, so much that you came walking by that day, and we thank you so much for the wisdom of Peter who would say, hey, this is not about me, that this is about the Father coming by. Jesus, this is about you and you calming the storms in our life and you extending grace even when our faith stops, even when our faith is little. And when we doubt, God, you reach out to save us when we begin to sink. You, out of your goodness, out of your favor, you've made a way for us, God. You've made a way for us to be redeemed. And reconciled. You made a way for us to be saved when we feel like we're drowning. And we just worship you for that, Father. Help us to see that there's so much more to our story. It's not over yet. You're not done with us, those of us sitting in the boat and those of us who feel like we're sinking. God, that you are near to us. You're never far from us. God, you have made a way. We worship you for that. Will you stand with us? And I am yours, you are mine, and we'll be together forever. I am yours, you are mine, and we'll be together forever. Hey, this is Pastor Peyton, and I just wanted to personally say thank you for connecting with us on our podcast and listening to today's message. I pray that God spoke to you. I pray that you're hearing Him. 
that God is showing you the way and His plan for your life and how great that is. And more importantly, I hope that you take what you learn and you put it into action where you live, work, and play. Again, thank you so much, and God bless you.